Hi, guys. Well, hello. We're here before him, anyway. <laughs> what, what, what you talking about? Nothing. Uh-huh. How much we missed you? Yes, that's oh. exactly what we were talking about. You know, I did I did listen to uh, last week's episode, and, and I was quite happy with all the talk of how I buy love. It was awesome. It's like, I'm, I am an awesome guy, and I do like to buy love. That's how I got my wife. Yeah, yeah. Well, then you would like what what uh, they've just opened up in Galveston, the Pleasure Pier. <laughs> what the hell is that? It's a, when it says pier, do you mean like pier like a pier on top of the water? Yes. Interesting. The Pleasure Pier. And what exactly is that? Well, I expected just by the name, I was like, wow, this is going to be some, like, like some kind of pier just full of bars and strip clubs and whorehouses and <laughs> a when can I book my trip? <laughs> and uh, it's apparently like a, a family fun place. And I'm like, wow, so wrongly named. <laughs> yeah, that that is not what you named the family fun place. <laughs> it really no is. Name. I mean, they're, they're like, yeah, you know, we're hoping to keep the families, you know, who who come down to Galveston to leave out out of the port for a, uh, you know, a cruise or something like that. And, you know, stay a couple more days in Galveston and enjoy the pleasure pier, the family friendly mm. pleasure pier, because we've got whores for all ages. <laughs> 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 That's what it uh, sounded like to me. Uh, so, Paul. Yes, sir. Paul. Paul. You know, you yeah. told me to read two books this week, God, and I, uh, I, I'm saving it for the show. But uh, you're, you're you're batting 500 with me. I just got to tell you that if we were in prison, Paul, you would have been ass raped for what you've done to us this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm Paul. just saying. Um, Paul, you got a list going? Nope, I do not. <laughs> the hell, ass monkey? I do, I do, I do, I do. Chillax. <laughs> I would, Paul. I wouldn't have abandoned it so quickly. I would have gotten. I would have gotten a little mouthy. <laughs> what the hell, ass monkey? <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, right. I mean, you you are so on my list this week, Paul. I it is it is difficult for me to contain my rage. It's hard for him to be in the same virtual space as you. I swear, I just, you know... Well, but save it for the show, Aaron. Hey, okay, all right. Hey, you're, keep you're the rage so in. vain, Paul. You probably think this podcast about you. So, uh, is Men in Black 3 going to beat out Avengers this weekend at the box office? Yes. I have heard terrible reviews of that movie. Yeah, oh, so Men in Black 2 made $55 million its opening weekend in, 19, oh, in 2002. Right. So... I mean, I'm going to go see Men in Black after this podcast, so... Same here. My wife's excited about it. I thought the previews looked oh, horrible, you guys are but... both wrong. Uh, it may be bad, but I'm, I'm going to go check it out. I, I'm on my own this week, and I'm bacheloring it up. Uh, so you're right, I'm going to go catch uh, the 11.15 show. And, but no, I, I I mean, Avengers is probably going to drop to like $30 million ish this weekend. Oh, man, I, you're bacheloring it, and I'm going to be gone this weekend, so there's no bug killing? Ugh. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah. see... I don't want to pay full price for it because the previews looked really bad, but Sarah's looking Matt, forward to it. So See, okay. the Josh Brolin piece looks brilliant to me, but uh, it's the rest of it I think I've got problems with. Well, you know, I'm not going expecting it to be the best movie ever, but I'm, I'm interested in going to see it. I'd pay a matinee price for it, especially before noon matinee price. Mm. Now, you're having your bachelor weekend. I've got mine coming up June 21st through the 25th. Hookers and Blow already ordered? All ordered. You know, it's amazing what kind of deal you can get on hookers and blow on Amazon. Well, bulk. They deal in bulk. Right? <laughs> well, and free shipping. 
So you went up for twenty five dollars, I'm assuming. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Twenty five oh one. So Paul, how's that list coming? <laughs> the list is ready. All right. Hey Paul, how's that list so coming? So the outline. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, the outline. All right. You didn't really slap the dental hygienist, did you, Eric? I did actually. You actually slapped her? I slapped her. The face or her hand? In the face. Wow. At the back of my hand. I thought you were joking. No, that was a, that's a true story. She kept putting my hand down, and he kept drilling. <laughs> I, was, I was told, I was told, if I hurt you, raise your hand, and I'll stop. She kept putting my hand down so that he couldn't see it, thus the drilling continued. It was me or her. Me or her. In that situation... The answer is always me. <laughs> <laughs> and you are ready for the zompocalypse. I am. Okay. I feel slappy. So women. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that makes me feel a little <laughs> icky. You got to keep your pimp hands strong. It's not domestic abuse if she doesn't live with you. Just. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's just perfectly cor- okay. It's just <laughs> correcting poor behavior. That's all. <laughs> okay. At this point, I have to find the episode where. Paul and I made this deal because I need to know when this ends. <laughs> December thirty first, two thousand twelve. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the fact Damn. that you made it six months is pretty is pretty solid, Wayne. I gotta say, Wayne is the of his word. That I even didn't make any comments at Fear the Cod when he's not there. That that was hard too. We ready to actually have a show? I don't know. Let's check that list. Let me get my pants off. Mine already are. Yours are kind of those tearaway stripper pants, right, Andrew? <laughs> well, close. They're the athletic, athletic ones that uh, you know, warm up pants that tear away on the sides of buttons. Oh yeah. Well, here, let really, me get my comics in order. I know that you digital hippies don't have to do that, but there we go. It's just I just love how my stack's the same size every mm-hmm, single week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so today's order is DC in alphabetical order, then Marvel in alphabetical order, then boom. I tell you what, that's some art. <laughs> Paul is skilled in the ways of the alphabet. That's like it's like Zen right there. <laughs> it's like feng shui. It's like I, don't wanna try, I don't want to try to think if there's any interconnecting ties between companies. Fuck that. Let's just do this. <laughs> See, my weird book of the week that I bought but haven't read yet was uh, Resident Alien by Dark Horse. Because the cover showed an alien just sitting in a diner eating. And it's like, that's strange. I want to buy that. Mm. <laughs> What, My random comment of the week. What it was, indeed, indeed it is. That was both random and commenting. It lived up to it lived up to expectation. <laughs> the billing was solid. <laughs> Your marketing campaign was good, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> I knew exactly what it was going in. <laughs> I do it for you, Paul. I do it for you. If it if it were on a cover, it would be an accurate cover. Uh, I hate this podcast. <laughs> Paul, I just want to hug you. And I'm glad you turned me on to Justice League Dark. But let's get into the show so I can say it on air. All right, let's do it. Keep it in your pants, Aaron. Or undies, whatever. Why? Why would I change now? <laughs> <laughs> Why well, mess with 140-some episodes of magic? That's right, magic in my pants.
the Funny Books with Aaron, Paul, Tim, Wayne, and Andrew. I'm Aaron. I'm Paul. This is Wayne. This is Tim. I'm Andrew. Hi. Memorial Day weekend, you guys. Everybody got the three days? Yes, I, sir. Yep. 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 Oh, so exciting. So exciting. I, I can't begin to tell you how much I'm drinking this weekend. How much are you <laughs> drinking, Aaron? I, I hit the scotch pretty hard last night. I'm, I'm just now drying out. Which is horrible. Why aren't you still drinking? I know. I really need to be. I need to have some kind of morning adult beverage here with me. Yeah, I have like a, a uh, I have a bottle of a beer called Naughty Ginger that I've been saving for Memorial Day because unlike John Carter, Memorial Day is as advertised. It's a holiday for drinking. It is a holiday for drinking. Hey, whoa! It's not just for drinking. Let's not forget the grilling. That's true, because that's an integral part of Memorial Day as well. It's the drinking plus the grilling that sets it above other holidays. And the floating in the pool. Well, yeah, all the pools, actually Columbia, all the pools open today, so I could go down and hang out in the pool. I am going to be in the pool this weekend. Nothing says I appreciate you giving your life for my country like cooking meat. (laughs) And and drinking. Drinking to excess and floating in your pool while reading a book. With a shirt on, yeah. (laughs) Shirt on? (laughs) Not all of us have pools in our backyard, Mr. Aaron. I am am all commando in the pool. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Why does it matter what pool you're at to have a shirt on? Because uh, Paul is uh, uncomfortably hairy. In fact, generally the public pools ask him to wear a shirt so as not to clog their uh, their filters. You know, the sad thing is I can't actually disagree with that. Like, it's not even a joke. It's, 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 it's funny. And... <laughs> See, I wear a shirt because the sun is my enemy. I, I don't know, guys. I'm, I'm too like complex complexion. I in the pool can burn bad. I am just uh, SPF nine hundred. I mean, I am uh, I, I am all sunblocked all the time. There's a lot of fail going on right now. <laughs> well, you know, we are the the comic book podcast. We're talking about being out in the sun, <laughs> <laughs> doing something athletic. You, you know. know. We're like snails drying up on the sidewalk. I don't even have the light on in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't either. You developed your UV vision, Paul, and that's how you read your comic books in your closet. (laughs) Exactly. You know, know, he he reads it on his iPhone and iPad or iNook, and and that way he doesn't actually need light. True. Mm. And I'm just hoping that our future is like the movie Daybreakers, because if it is, I am all set. (laughs) Well, you know, usually pop culture reference fail again. Usually, (laughs) we go see uh, the air show on Memorial Day weekend as well. We go to the parade, but my son and and wife are actually gone off to go see uh, her parents this weekend. So I am at loose ends. So I expect there will be lots of grilling and drinking. I need to I need to get the sangria recipe from Mrs. Adam David Mitchell Van Geist over at the podcast because she makes some sweet sweet sangria. I do like the sangria. Oh, it was amazing, Aaron. I, that's what I do on uh, Halloween is I serve it on the on the front porch to the adults. Uh, as <laughs> to the kids. Hey, little kids. <laughs> yes, to the, to the children. To the adults and the, and the kids with their voices are cracking. So, Paul, I have a question for you. I have an answer. You know, you, you, you shared your uh, dental experience uh, <laughs> last week. So do you, do you get a toy or something at the end of your, uh, at the end of your dental procedure? Does, does he have the box under the sink that you get to go and pull out, you know, uh, you know some army men or, or you know, a yo-yo or something <laughs> like that? Or do you get a restraining order like Aaron did after he slapped the uh, 
the way. <laughs> so, you know, I, I just assume that you're still seeing your pediatric dentist. So, uh, yeah. well, that because I actually do have some baby teeth, but, um, <laughs> well, that you keep in, in your, in your, in a sock, you know, that I keep yeah. in my mouth. Yeah. I put a sock in the pocket. And the strange thing is, is that they're not your teeth. <laughs> I just, Paul like being around a bunch of little kids, but Paul, you do realize that those aren't chiclets, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I left the dentist the first week, and you know, I had a follow up appointment because they identified a cavity. Oh, well, well, of course they identified a cavity. It's been like sixteen like, years since I've been to the dentist. Yeah, well, so. and it's like when you take your car to the tire shop, they're going to tell you you need new tires. So I think it's a little different though. Because no, I don't think so. All those dentists are quacks, Paul. <laughs> yeah. So, did you see a hole in your tooth? I did. Right. In the X-ray, they probably yeah. It. In the X-ray, yeah. That they that they control the X-ray, Paul. This whole dentistry thing is a scam. <laughs> I, I will You're, keep that in mind. Aaron's but, becoming I, as rational as he does when he talks about the greeting card industry. Quick, yeah. <laughs> tell your story, Paul. <laughs> I think Aaron is actually drinking again. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I started getting some pain. Uh, in uh, in the cavity area of my mouth. Did you um, raise your hand? <laughs> on Wednesday. <laughs> I'm getting to that. Uh, and so I called the dentist. I'm like, hey, can you fit me in? I'm starting to experience some pain with this tooth. And they're like, well, you know, we can get you in at 930 tomorrow morning. And I said, well, I'm presenting to like a board of AVPs and VPs at 1230 <laughs> do you think I will still be able to talk and will I be there at, by 1230? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah. We'll just oh, yeah. The area. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I see where you made your mistake already. <laughs> yeah. Fill you up and all that stuff. And um, so I went to the, you know, so I went there at 930 in the morning. They got me right in. Dentist is looking at my tooth. He's like, oh, crap. I'm like, um. That doesn't sound good. He's like, no, I can see the nerve. So we're going to have to do a root canal. And I was like, oh, this. He's like, it's just a little time consuming. It's not bad. It was bad. It was bad. (laughs) (laughs) You know? And, you know, the worst part about it is one of the most painful parts of the procedure is the numbing process. Uh Because, you know, they jam that needle in your gum Uh to numb it. Yeah, and it pops out the other side of your cheek. (laughs) Yeah. Did they tell you to raise your arm if it hurt? They did. She told me to raise my arm if it hurt. And did, so did did you actually raise your hand? No, it did it's did it did hurt at certain points and I didn't raise my arm. I thought about it. Is Paul gonna have to slap a nurse? <laughs> but I'm like, maybe I'll just wince. Maybe I'll they'll get the point if I wince instead of actually raising my hand. Because I remembered Aaron's story. <laughs> <laughs> and I winced and he's like Does it hurt, buddy? And I'm like, a little bit. He's like, Okay, well, just a little bit longer. I'm like, then why did you ask? Why did you ask me? You don't care. Just keep hurting me. Keep giving me my root canal. And so I got my root, you know, it was it, it finally all through. I have this putty stuff in my tooth right now. And, um, you know, of course, it stopped. The, the numbing agent pretty much stopped around halfway into my presentation that I started giving at 1230. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, huh. <laughs> this is this is interesting. I, I, I survived, and now I have a, a tooth with putty in it, and I have to go back to the dentist on June fifth. I'm sorry, Paul. Are they going to give you a crown? Yeah, something like that, or a tiara just to hold back your bangs. 
I, I don't know. All I know is I went from seeing the dentist zero times in a long time to seeing <laughs> way too often in three in a three week period. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I uh last time. Well, no, I guess two times ago I was in. I uh I had broken an old crown that I'd gotten about ten years ago. Uh, it had, had split, and they were looking at the X rays, and they showed me the X rays, and the X rays were pretty horrendous, to be fair. And they're like, "Yeah, we might have to do a root canal once we get in there." I was like, "Oh." But thankfully they didn't. They just were able to pop the old crown off and put a new crown on. Well, and you know, my favorite part is the dentist talks to you while they're, you know, jamming that needle all the way down into the root. Yeah. Oh, sure. It's, it's called distraction. And he's like, do you like Vegas? I'm like, uh, <laughs> he's like, I've been to Vegas five times this year. I'm like. And I love whores. <laughs> they remind you I can't talk because you're drilling into a tooth. <laughs> they've been they, five times and it's May. Holy they, crap. They know that, Wayne. They don't actually expect you to respond. <laughs> they might. I mean, no, know. they they really don't. No, no. Uh, it's something to talk to you to keep your mind busy, and some people just like to talk. It's like pillow talk when you're with a hooker. You don't really care how they're feeling or any of that. It's what just college what's expected of you. Yeah, you're just doing what's expected. I particularly enjoy the uh, the casual conversation when they're doing an ultrasound on your testicles. That's my favorite part. No, I gotta ask why you had an ultrasound testicles there. That's the that's the obvious question. Well, I have a third testicle, so <laughs> I think we'll Next all find out in fifteen years when we're Aaron's age. You keep talking about this third <laughs> testicle. I need to see it. <laughs> Fear the con six. We're going to because ta- I, I forget about I t- it when I see you in person. I tell you what we'll do. It's First we'll, slot, everyone migrate over. No, no, we're going to make it. Tell time. It'll be our fundraising effort at Fear the Con for uh, you know the Hero Initiative. There we go. You know, pay <laughs> five bucks, like you can see Aaron's balls. <laughs> if uh, if you pay ten bucks, you can touch them. <laughs> no, no, ten dollars, you don't have to touch them. <laughs> uh, we're going to turn it into Fear the Con six six six. If really. Well, you know, uh, I, I went in for, for my annual well-man several years ago, and, and my uh, my internist found you know something on my testicles. And uh, he said, uh, ooh, uh, you know, uh, you got something going on here. You need to get that checked out. So you know, I went to the urologist, and, and, you know, the great thing about it is that, you know, you get felt up by your you know, primary care provider – and then you go to the urologist, and the urologist is feeling you up, you know, until you're, you're sitting there without your pants on, and, and he's, you know, playing with your with your with your sack, you know, like it's those right. stress balls, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and and he's just kind of you know moving them around his, his fingers, and he's like, huh, wow, that's a uh, that's interesting. I'm I wow, huh, hold on, and he opens the door. I am ass naked, <laughs> you know, I am naked from the waist down. He opens the door, and he's like, hey, uh, Joe, come in here. And so in comes Joe. Hey, uh, ch- look at this. You know, you know, you know Here, play with these a little bit. Exactly. It's it's like you know, check this out. And he's like, huh, that is interesting. And so I've got two guys. Door is still open to the hallway, by the way. And they're like, yeah, wow, that's interesting. Your primary care provider found this. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. It's like, huh, interesting. So then they send you off to the to the urologist. I mean, off to the sonogram. And so you find out that you have the lady technician for the sonogram. Which, you know, you're like, okay, so one of two things is going to happen here. Um, I'm either going to have a really poor showing, 
<laughs> you know, it's cold in the room and, you know, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the groundhog is hidden for winter. Um, <laughs> or worse, you're going to provide something that uh, Boy Scouts can camp under. You know, so, you know, there's all this stress in, in your mind beyond the fact that, you know, I, oh God. I think the worst case is both of those combined. But. And that is exactly what happened, Wayne. That is exactly what happened, because, you know, you come in, you know, they, they have you go in and that you change clothes. You, and it doesn't help that the that the the suite that you're in, the little uh, little examining room, they've lowered the lights, you know, so it's almost like it's romantic <laughs> they put on the very white music yeah i mean it's, it's, it's weird you know it's and weird the there's, pot- there's potpourri in there and it's just <laughs> and you're like okay and i guess maybe it's because they do so many you know pregnant women you know that it, that it's that way as opposed to being you know a little bit more dude like but anyway so you get over on the exam table and you know you're, you're wearing the gown and she starts lifting up your gown so that she can access your stuff right and she's cute is the problem. And you're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And young. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, so she's talking to you the whole time. You know, so, oh, are you from around here? You know, what do you do? Wife and kids. And all I, I am just gone to my to my little special safe place, you know, where I'm just like, please don't talk to me. Please don't talk to me. Please don't look at me. Please don't look at me. And I mean, it, it was like I jumped in a pool of cold water. I mean, I, I almost look like a woman down there. And, uh, you know, so until she starts applying the gel, (laughs) (laughs) is some manipulation that occurs. And the next thing you know, I am sprung like, oh, my God. I mean, I, I just could not have been more embarrassed. It was it was a horrible experience. Yeah. All right, I think I, I honestly think this is the best podcast ever, and I'll see you guys next week. <laughs> we more funny experience, <laughs> Oh my god, just awful. Oh, well, I, I need just, a drink. And so, <laughs> you too. and so you know, you're thinking, well, I never have to do that again, <clears throat> right? Oh. No. No, like and, six months, you're back in there. Oh, yeah. No. I, I, and, you know, the urologist, is, you know, after I had to do it three times in one year because they just needed to make sure nothing was changing. And I, no, no, Aaron, Aaron, they need to check to make sure it wasn't getting bigger. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> and so uh, <laughs> at the end of it, you know, he, you know, after I've done my, my, my three uh, exams, he's like, well, I think you're fine. I don't think it's anything. You don't have to worry about this again until wait. Wait, how old are you? And I said, Every year, isn't it? And he's like, "Uh huh, yeah." Every year, you're gonna have to do this for the rest of your life. I'm like, "God damn!" So, did did you get the same girl when you went back? It, it's almost always the same girl. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost always the same. Because this is an eight to five clinic we're talking about, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 They probably only have one or two people who work yeah. in who do the radiology. So, stuff there. what's your thought when you go in and you see the same girl standing there? It is just. It, it, it is. I mean, I know women go through much more. Uh, terrible things than we do in terms of their physical examinations. This but is true. It is it is a a psychological beatdown for me every time. Every time. I mean, I just I <laughs> And it's only because we don't control a lot of what happens downstairs. <laughs> yeah, but we're not getting at least we're not getting anything scraped. That's right. We're not getting anything opened. scraped and no one's no one's entering us. There's no duck bill in <laughs> yeah. uh yeah. No, you're absolutely right. We we have it uh we have it a little easier than the ladies. 
So. Right. And, and we all share the joys of colonoscopy, men and women alike. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Speaking so, of being entered. <laughs> but guys, get your junk checked out. It's important. Hey, <laughs> true. This public service announcement brought to you by Funny Books. You know what the <laughs> best part is? That's not even the story that Aaron came here to tell. <laughs> he's well, got and, more and my actual story is so much less interesting than my Paul's story I really think we should just call it a week Let's yeah, just, I, I think so too let's move right on to Tim's application fail <laughs> yeah, good luck Tim following that story <laughs> well, okay so um, Juanita, I was helping Juanita fill out some applications for uh, a job and we came across a grocery store that she wanted to apply to and so, you know, everybody's filled out that application online that takes takes just way longer than it should, right? So we're sitting there, and it approaches the 45-minute mark, and we're still filling this thing out. I'm like, are you serious? This is for a grocery store. <laughs> and so we get, we, get, we get to the point, you know, it's about an hour in, and, and it's like, oh, you know, last page. I'm like, sweet, we're finally done with this. I'm, I can go back to my life. And it says, it says, now we're going to send you to an HR thing that'll tell you, it'll ask you a bunch of questions, and you need to fill that out too. I'm like, are you kidding? What was that first hour? What, what, what were those questions about? Oh, so that explains why we all got calls about a security check for. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm I am not kidding. That little self evaluation took two hours. It had time tests, math, oh, trap questions. It was. Ridiculous. They had her go through a Myers Briggs for a grocery store. I, I'm like, Juanita, I work at a bank. My application took a tenth of what you just did to work to get a to get a cashier job. It's like it's like they're testing your dedication to you know putting up with bullshit. Yeah, it's an endurance That's not test. a good sign for your your job future at that position. <laughs> oh my god, three hours. Three you know, hours to be a beggar. We were asked to take these. Uh, these assessment tests this week and you know going starting off it's kind of like a personality test you know like uh of these four statements which one do you most identify with which one do you least identify with but then it starts getting into logic questions you know this is to this is that is to that and i'm like god i haven't done logic questions in you know 20 years and then it got into the iq part of it and i'm like Holy shit, I haven't taken an IQ test since college. And it was like dusting off my brain. It was excruciating. It was excruciating. So I, I feel I feel Juanita's pain. Oh, and mine. Yeah. So well, because you had to watch. How do you fill that out? <laughs> yeah. Honey, take the IQ part of the test for me. You know, that kind of thing. Can no, I no, I didn't do can that. Can I cheat off your personality? <laughs> no, I didn't do that. When we get to the personality, I was like, that's you. It was more of the typing up the job history junk because she doesn't type as well. Uh, yeah, if I hadn't been there, it took her another hour and a half. You know, I have, t- I have applied for jobs in the past that required one of those personality tests beforehand. And I remember uh, applying with this one office company uh, – you know, office supply company, and and you know, they were all very excited about me, excited about my sales background, and yada yada, and and then here, take the uh, take the personality test, and then we'll be good to go. And they never <laughs> called me back after I took the personality <laughs> test. And all I can think about is that I tested like a serial killer. You know, this guy has bought, has a black van. He's got a black van. He's got duct tape in the in the glove box and a pair of pliers. <laughs> they thought you were Paul. <laughs> and, and he answered half of the questions with. 
my balls. <laughs> the, the other half wore your mom. <laughs> and then he just circled C for the rest. <laughs> it's almost never C, Paul. <laughs> and I got to say, so I think we're going to see a little bit of Aaron's serial killer side momentarily because the first book we're talking about this week is Batman Incorporated number one. The book that Paul pushed on us. Like it was his ugly sister. Yeah, let's be let's the be book clear. that I didn't buy because I flipped through it and spoiler wasn't in it. Let me let, let me oh, let's be Jesus clear. Spoiler. Let's be clear. Paul reached out to us and put friendships on the line. Yes, he did. You know, get Batman Incorporated. If you, if you truly value our friendship, you'll pick up Batman Incorporated number one. Oh, that's why I wasn't uh, pressured for it at all. <laughs> <laughs> And so, you know, I'm like, okay, Paul has put a, a high uh, a, a high caliber on this book, so it must be good. This must be this must be the book that's gonna make me, right? Paul Paul likes me too much to lead to me something yeah. to do something that's going to leave me feeling like I was abused. Yeah. Yeah. Um so Paul. Aaron. Would you like to talk to us? Would you like to give us an explanation? Yes. Because let me tell you, Paul steaming pile of crap is it worse than when he had us read spaceman it is it may be the worst thing in the history of ever <laughs> this book was was god awful uh, no spaceman was ridiculous come on this yeah is but, gonna have to be this is gonna have to be a high bar for you guys to jump oh, this. it's pretty awful i mean the art is okay the actual writing what the hell yeah i i I liked it. I liked it a lot. What is wrong with you, Paul? <laughs> I liked it a hell of a lot. Paul, we need to get you on those personality tests right now. Yeah, because there's something fundamentally wrong with you. I, I I I thought it was fantastic. I really dug it. Is this like your way of cutting yourself without actually having to cut yourself? No, no. I just maybe there were just some crappy books I read this week. But this no, being I'm one a- of them. No, I'm, this being well, chief among them. Well, no, wait. No. All right, no, no, Paul. I, tell, yes. tell, tell us what you liked about this book, so that we can tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> I just thought it was a lot of fun. I, I liked the, I liked the art. I liked the storyline. The, the art was okay. My, uh, I, I did enjoy okay, yeah. the previous volume of Batman Incorporated, and without having read that, I'd ima- there are definitely some moments in here where I would imagine people would be lost because there are references to pre New Fifty Two continuity. Um, some. Quite a few, or, or a lot, a lot of references to pre New Fifty Two continuity. Um, so th- clearly, this was a book that was written, started pre New Fifty Two, and just kind of shoved in to fit because they're you know they, they basically changed Batman's costume. Everything else is basically pre New Fifty Two. But no, I, I I really dug it. I liked the story. I thought it was fun. I liked the fight in the meatpacking plant. I liked Bat Cow. I I just thought okay it was fun. okay. Okay, say it again. Whoa, whoa, whoa. did you just say bat cow? That is correct. Bat cow. <laughs> it's their inside man. It's their inside bovine. They had the meatpacking plant. It was bat cow. Yes, and uh, you know, Damien declares that as of now, I am a vegetarian, and this is bat cow, which is wrong on three different levels. But Does that just uh, happened. Yep. Yes, yeah. but I thought it was fun. I mean, Damian Wayne is nine years old. I, I could imagine a nine-year-old saying that after a fight in a meatpacking plant full of blood. No, um, actually, most nine-year-olds I know, after they fought in a meatpacking plant full of blood, 
would be gibbering Rex from the trauma. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, Damian Wayne is not your typical nine year old, Paul. This is true. This is true. But no, I I, I enjoyed it. I, and I'm sorry. I, as, as soon as I closed the book, I was like, oh, God damn. Andrew and Aaron are going to hate me. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I read the book twice this week. That's how much I enjoyed it. I, again, I just I don't understand what doesn't work in your brain. Because well, here, I, let me let, let me get it for a minute to be a little more of a measured response than Aaron, because Aaron's not going to be measured at all. <laughs> what are you saying? You're, rash. you're, you're rash. Rash. angry. <laughs> so, uh, uh, like I said, the, the art was okay. I didn't really have any problems with the art per se. Uh, there was one one panel I wasn't really sure what was happening. Uh, Damien, when he slides in between one of the goat boy assassins. Yes, goat uh-huh. boy assassins. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, it, it looks like he slices the guy's legs off, but it doesn't look like he's holding anything in his hands to cut the He's got two off. little batarangs or bat knives in his hands. And that's it's, enough it's, to cut his it's, legs it's, off? How well, did he cut his legs off? I think he just sliced his calves. Yes. So There's if you, just so much blood. You know, I think that he's kicking up blood in the scene. Okay. Because there's all that blood on the floor. I mean, it's a ridiculous amount of of carnage, like uh, uh, you know, blood around. So yeah, because okay, so I don't think this this butcher shop is very sanitary for one. <laughs> Clearly, no. no. And so so when Batman complains that he killed somebody, who did he kill? If it wasn't that guy? <clears throat> oh, it happened in the previous story arc. Oh, and hey, remind me, Paul, what number is this issue? Uh, issue one. Really? It does it does is is do you, would you call it a good issue one? Uh, no, I would not call it a good issue one. I would call it a great Batman Incorporated issue 10, because <laughs> okay. that's essentially right. what it is. Um, but right. as an issue one, no. It fails as an issue one. It makes references to Batman Incorporated Leviathan Strikes. It makes references to Batman and Robin with the death of nobody. Which uh, I got – that was one of the few of the references I got because I am reading Batman and Robin. Yeah. Well, I think basically – again, I think it was written to just continue the series, and I think they just kind of threw in – some new 52 continuity pieces that basically just confuse the story more than clarify the story. Um, So there are some editorial issues here, some definite editorial issues. I wish they had just not bothered calling it a new 52 book. And who the hell are all these people down in the cave underneath the sex door? Um, That is the league of Batman. Uh, Those are Batman incorporated um, members, including Batwing, who faked their deaths in Batman Incorporated Leviathan Strikes. Again, it's just I, I you know, I recommended this book because I really do enjoy Batman Incorporated. If you have not previously read Batman Incorporated, I find it I find that it would be hard for anyone to like. Or understand what is going on. Or understand what is going on. Correct. Okay. Yeah. All and right. that's where I was in this whole book, so I just didn't understand what the hell was going on. There was just too much reliance on what had come before. And I understand why. I mean, it's, again, it's basically, Grant Morrison had this plan. DC decided, let's do the New 52. Hey, you can still finish your Batman piece, you know, as a separate series, but, you know, we've already started this new universe, so throw in a couple of references to that, but you can finish your story. But really, I mean, without having read previous Batman Incorporated books, you're right, you're going to be totally lost on who the characters are, what's going on, why Damian Wayne is a different character in this book than he is in Batman and Robin. You know, I mean, it, 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 this is very much a continuation or a finalization, I believe, of what's going of what Morrison has been doing in the Bat books. And um, yeah, you're right. As an issue one, it fails as an issue one. 
quite quite a bit. Yeah, they should. I mean, really, if they wanted to bring in, I mean, it seems like they're not. It seems like they named it number one to bring in new readers, right? You put a yeah. number one on it, new people pick it up. But if they're gonna do that, then they should make it. Give me some insets to say what happened before. Give me, give me a yeah. couple flashback panels so I have some vague idea of what is happening. Because I gotta be honest, it's not like you know they they tried to do that thing where. You know, because DC doesn't do recap pages. They try to pr- reference previous events in dialogue to try to get you caught up. But that's not really what worked in this book. Um, there too much previously happened <laughs> to summarize in dialogue. And it just uh, – even I had a heart – even I had to go back and reference some previous issues of Batman Incorporated because the book's been off the stands for a couple months now. I think Leviathan Strikes was back in January maybe. Um because New Fifty Two has been going on for nine months now, right? You know, and the last Batman Incorporated book was pre New Fifty Two. So you know, it's I, I do feel that yeah, it, it fails as a first issue, but I still enjoyed the hell out of it. If you previously enjoyed Batman Incorporated, uh, basically you're probably already buying this book, so I'm preaching to the choir. Uh, but I I'm sorry that it wasn't as new reader friendly for Andrew and Aaron as it should have been. So we, we I think I think we've reached. In accord. So if you like it, if you enjoyed previews, you've been reading it, check it out. If you haven't, stay the hell away from it. Or I'm I am Batman Incorporated volume. They collect all eight issues and Leviathan Strikes in one hardcover. Yes, yeah. throw throw more money at it. That is also a possible. You solution. just want to give Grant Morrison all of your money, don't you, Paul? I'm not going to Morrison Con though. Did you guys There's, know that's wait, a real thing? That's a real thing in Vegas. Morrison Con. Oh come on. Why? It's a Thing. Oh, I, I see potential. The why? You get all of the fans together in one location. You wipe them all out, we're good. <laughs> He'll be there too, FYI. Oh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I am sold. Where is this at? Uh, Vegas, Hard Rock I Casino. Some, I need some C4 and I need a uh, trip to Vegas. Great. Now I feel like I should leave an anonymous tip with the Vegas people. <laughs> exactly. Hey, you FYI, really Wayne will be on next week's podcast. Yeah. He'll be broadcasting from jail. <laughs> well, right, I, so, just, I just want to say that, that I just want to say that Paul's apology really doesn't cut mustard with me because it's really one of those apologies like I give my wife sometimes, like. Honey, I'm sorry if your feelings were hurt, but uh, <laughs> you misunderstood what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't feel like it was a genuine apology. I don't feel like Paul is truly sorry for the heinous, heinous thing that he has done. Well, if but not, let's let's move on though. Let's let's go well, on let's to not, the next because heinous step. things uh, kind of seem to be in order this week. Because DC, DC, you put. Red Robin on the cover of Batman: The Dark Knight, number one. Oh, that I bet you guys were... dirty, 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 lying cover. Are you saying he wasn't in it? He, oh, no, he was in it. One panel with no dialogue, no interaction. He's just there in the background of one panel. Doesn't fight anybody. Doesn't talk. Isn't given a mission. He's just there for a panel. Mm-hmm. No, but the bad thing is, it's actually not a bad comic book. Oh, this was garbage, Paul. <laughs> I am sorry. This story, this was horrible. You're de- it goes on telling you about what is the worst owl ever. You give they continually tell you why this guy sucks, and he's the one they build up for the whole issue. So there's not even really a concern about it. Batman has fought this owl before when the owl was in the owl costume, yet he knows nothing about the owls, and he's never seen these guys before they show up. 
but they do a yeah, flashback but- to him fighting it. The owl gets shot in the head through the uh, through the brain there. And still is able to form coherent thoughts. Now, I'm fine with the animated body continuing to fight, but to still have the complete inner dialogue when his brain has been splattered by a bullet. This had continuity issues. This had, you know, just logic issues. This had a dirty lying cover. No, this was this was bad. Okay, so I... Because it, it very much, for anyone who read Batman number nine, this is the backstory of the Talon that attacks Lincoln March in Batman number nine. And Wayne makes some good points. Yeah, he it, definitely it, makes some good the points. The kid before he becomes a Talon is locked in a in like a trailer, and the trailer's lit on fire. Yet he somehow walks out of it just barely scarred. When we haven't seen him go through the process to become a Talon yet there, he's just a normal kid that's locked in a burning, you know, trailer. His clothes are burning, but he walks out, you know, just a little bit scraped up. No big deal. Well, I kind of understood that he had at that point reanimated from the dead, but I guess that wouldn't make sense because he still grew older. Exactly. Nothing makes sense. The logic is bad. (laughs) Along with the writing. And the dirty lying cover. Yeah, the the cover was some bullshit. I, I'm I'm sorry, I gotta call bullshit on DC. If Red Robin was on the cover, half of the people on this podcast were gonna buy the book specifically because of the cover, and um, it it, it was a screw job. Yeah, I'm just well, glad I'm, I saved Tim by sending out yeah. the. As soon as I got the book, I you know I flipped through it, I read it in the car, and I tweeted that. You know, Dark Knight number nine was a dirty, rotten line cover. And because of that, I saved Tim $3. And so there was no spoiler in the book? Is that what we're saying? There was no spoiler. There was no <laughs> red problem. And not a shit was given about spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. I say that for two people. I say and that for three people. if they're people. lying about the cover for, with the one with all the Robins on it, all the real Robins, I'm going to lose my shit. With all the good Robins, you mean? I need, I, I need Tim Drake. Have. I I. I I need it to be not sucking, lying crap. That's what I need. All the Robins who didn't start a gang war then get the crap beat out of them by Black Mask? Yeah. (laughs) All of those, yes. That's why I asked for spoiler, not for female Robin. Uh, Jiminy Cricket. So did did DC have any books that didn't suck to anybody but Paul? Aquaman. Aquaman number nine was pretty awesome. Uh, it, this is the continuation of the other's storyline. Uh, and basically, Aquaman, before he was Aquaman, well, yeah, and basically before he was a hero, was uh, an anti-human member of a, a terrorist group. And they 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 were not nice people. <laughs> they, they killed people. And this is basically Aquaman's dark past coming to haunt him. And yes, I just said Aquaman's dark past. But um, I thought it was a dynamite book. You know, it's still, you know, the art by Ivan Rice, great stuff, uh, written by Jeff Johns. I've just, this is a much different storyline than the first storyline. You know, the first storyline was kind of like this Hollywood action with humor storyline. And this second arc is just very dark, uh, and um, but very well done. Yeah, I still don't understand how Aquaman can be my favorite book of the New 52, but it is. Consistently, this is the book from DC that I look forward to reading 
the character is the most interesting. And that shouldn't be because it's Aquaman. But it is so amazingly good. The writing is just top notch in this book. You know, it's um, it, it's it's sad because you know, I well, I mean, Aquaman is still a top ten book. Aaron, you started reading Aquaman for a little bit, didn't you? Well, I'm still reading Aquaman, but I'm it's uh it's something I read digitally and I wait for the uh, price to drop down. on it. Yeah. So what I'll do is I'll read a couple of minutes at a time. And I do feel like Aquaman would read really well in trade. Oh um, yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. I had to say that a little slowly so I couldn't. I didn't sound like Elmer Fudd. Wheelie well, wheelie well, But uh, I, I, it, it's almost written, you know, in pieces like that. You know, these story arcs feel like they would work much better as one cohesive whole than in little bits and pieces. Um, but you know, some revelations on, on Aquaman's past in, in this storyline. You know, and apparently someone he murdered in the past is coming back to haunt him. Uh, you know, we also see. Aquaman is this guy who was willing to let children die just to get his hands on the bad guy uh, in the past. So it's it's a different type of Aquaman than we've seen before, and just a, a really dynamite book. You know, I like some of these other characters they've created, too. The Prisoner, that's an interesting character. Hmm. Yeah, the, the, you know, the, this group that he was in were all super-powered beings, and... Um, you know, it, we haven't learned too much about them yet, but they're all pretty interesting characters. Yeah, I I continue to really enjoy Aquaman number nine. Although I was a little confused when they're explaining who killed who and why, uh, they kind of lost me in their logic. When when I guess it was that Shin is talking to Mira. Oh, at um, the end of the book. Yeah. So did did Black Manta's father attack their boat? But yeah, Black Manta's father attacked their boat. Aquaman's father had attempted to fight against Black Manta, had a heart attack, and died. And in revenge, Aquaman killed Black Manta's father. Because, um, because you know, he says that you know he found a treasure hunter, a man who had discovered a shipwreck off the coast of island. I heard he he fought off a group of pirates trying to take a ship. So he hired Manta's father. To go and do this then. So Manus was this treasure hunter that he hired to go try to get some blood from Arthur. Am I right yes. on that? Yes, you are right. Okay. I was the, the way they put that narrative though, I was kind of a little a little, yeah, it's a little confusing, confusing, I guess. It was I a little. But um the only thing I have to say that I I'm bummed about in the new fifty two is that there's no Aqualad. Um, uh yeah. Yeah, because they introduced that character. They introduced the um the character that you see in the Young Justice cartoon? Not Garth, but the uh, uh, dark-skinned guy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember his name. It begins with a K, I think. Uh, but even Garth. Like, neither character is in the New 52. And they introduced the uh, the Young Justice character in the Brightest Day book. Mm-hmm. Really, right before the New 52 started. Um, and so it's a shame that neither character is in the New 52. But I'm hoping... I'm sure it's coming. Uh, You know, Aquaman has enjoyed so much success. I'm sure they're just being careful about his cast of characters. Yeah, that's true, too. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like there there are some legs there, especially because of the Young Justice cartoon, to bring that character in. Sure. One of those characters in. And I do enjoy Mira. Beautiful, beautiful Mira. Mm. (laughs) That's a creepy noise. (laughs) I hope that level eight to ride out. (laughs) No, it'll probably it'll probably spike it. (laughs) And uh, Calder is the name of the uh, the current Aqualad in Young Justice. Yeah, I'm actually behind a couple episodes on that. I've been saving it up. 
because uh, I think with the current storyline where they've jumped ahead in the future, it'll watch better if I watch three or four back to back. Yeah, it will. But it's so good. The current season of Young Justice is so good. But you know what else is really good? The art on Flash number nine. <laughs> <laughs> just the art, Paul? Um, pretty much just the art. Huh. Uh, Flash number nine came out this week, written and drawn by Francis Manipole, I believe, and Brian Bucoletto, or Bucolato. Um, on the and now, writing, since right? starting, Flash it- has been one of the most gorgeous books of the New 52. Aaron, you gave Flash number nine a try because it had Gorilla Grodd on the cover. Well, and my good friend Paul, again, you know leveraged his friendship with me to uh have me read flash and all i said was gorilla grod was on the cover that's all i said yeah and Paul, it, it, you knew what that was going to do don't pretend like you're innocent you know if you tell aaron that gorilla grod or any monkey is in something <laughs> the man bought a book because there was a monkey on the cover once that may have happened this week um <laughs> so yeah i got i picked up flash number nine and, you know, I think my biggest issue with the writing on this book was that I was coming in in the middle of a story arc. So I know there's some other crap going on that I don't understand and that the book did nothing to really help me out with. Like, for instance, uh, you've got Iris, uh, Iris and a bunch of other people stuck in the Speed Force. There's no explanation as to how they got there, why they're there, any of that kind of thing. They're just, you know, they're just kind of shipwrecked in the Speed Force and okay. Um, but you know, I enjoyed the, I enjoyed the artwork a great deal. Um, I think that Francis Manupool is brilliant in the way he illustrates this book. I, I, though I, I'll confess that in the first couple of pages, I wasn't sure that, uh, the headgear that Gorilla Grodd's wearing, mm-hmm. um, I was like, wow, does he actually have a horn? Is he like a Mugatu from Star Trek? Because, <laughs> you know, he's he's got this thing, and, you know, you realize a couple of pages in that it's part of the headgear that he wears. But, you know, it's a horn that he uses to bash in people's brains and then eat them. Um, yeah. Which, you know, is, is I, I think I'm going to start doing that, you know, because apparently if you eat the person's brains, you get their memories and powers. Yes. So uh, this is this is now my move. So, uh, you know, look out at work when I'm wearing my special horn helmet. Um, I might be hungry for brains. Anyway. Um, Just don't eat Paul's or you'll stop buying horrible books. A <laughs> um, couple of questions I have for you, Paul. Are the gorillas super fast? No, I don't believe so. This is the first issue with them. Okay, so here is a page where... Flash is running away from the gorillas, and Gorilla Grodd climbs up as Flash is running away, climbs up on that big, you know, tower thing that they've got, and then leaps and catches the Flash. But at this point, Flash has amnesia. Maybe he doesn't know he's the Flash and doesn't use his super speed. I don't know about that. (laughs) Because, okay, hold on, hold on. Okay, so he's captured, he's manacled. Um, he gets his ass handed to him by Gorilla Grodd. Uh-huh. So there's a page of memories, and okay, so we see him blurring around. Then okay, okay, okay. I think I'm with you here. Yeah, yeah. at that point, here. he, he okay. doesn't know who he is. Okay. so he's not using his his speed force. Um, but this I have. This is the problem that I have with with speedsters in general in in terms of comic book storytelling. 
if you are the fastest man alive, and that doesn't mean that you can just really run a fast mile. It means that that you you can move so fast so as to to make time stand still. How is there ever a fight? How do you have a fight with a gorilla? You forget you know, who you are. <laughs> oh no, what I'm saying, but he remembers who he is. He knows that he's fast. Yeah. You know, well, and once he does, the fight's over pretty quickly. Yeah, but he's still he's still having to kick Gorilla Grodd in the face, and he's still moving fast enough where Gorilla Grodd almost gets him. Why wouldn't it just be next thing you know, Gorilla Grodd's all tied up? Ah. Uh-huh. And so, and I know that visually that's not an interesting story to tell, but in my mind, I don't know if the Flash knows you're there. I don't know how you beat the Flash in a fight because he can move faster than you can think. That's a good point. Well, and so that, that's that. I mean, fundamentally, that has always been my problem with Flash stories. It's the same problem I have with Quicksilver stories and with even the Wizard. Um, those have just been been my problems with that. And it's and I know you're. It's Aaron. It's comic books. Suspend your disbelief. But it's just hard to hard hard to adapt to that. No, I, I can think, understand that. Yeah. No, I mean, in the Flash number nine, and you know, the art was beautiful. It basically has the same issue that I've had with the Flash series for a couple of issues now. Uh-huh. There's all story and not much human element to it. Uh, you know, Barry Allen is still not an interesting character right now. Right. And I think that's something that Jeff Johns did to the character when Jeff Johns was on the title. Yeah. And Francis Manipal was on art. But since taking over the story aspect of it, I believe Francis Manipal has kind of neglected that piece. Well, and there are things here, because this is my first book back on the series since I think issue two or maybe three. I have no idea who this woman is on the plane. I mean, they give you nothing there. You know, you know she's, you know, investigating something. And that's it. And then it cuts to these two people on a balcony who are talking uh, to each other about, uh, you know, the weather and uh, and whatnot. And I mean, I'm no idea who those people are. Yeah. Well, and I know who they are because I've been reading the book and I enjoyed those aspects of the story. I just I got everyone. I have more problem with the characterization of the Flash. It's probably how I should clarify that Mm -hmm. because the Flash, I feel, is the character who gets fleshed out the least in the book. Right. And, you know, that again, that's something that was not missing pre-New 52. Yeah. It's something I would like back in the book because there was a lot of heart in the book when Jeff Johns was on it. Absolutely. You know, now, and even when Wally West was the Flash, there was just a lot of heart in that character. Well, and, you know, you and I have had this conversation. Wally West is really my Flash. I give give two rips about uh, Barry Allen. But I will say, did you read the uh, the digital version or the print version of this book? I read the digital version. Okay, same here. So as, as when you approach the end of the digital version, they show you the variant cover. Yeah. And it's got this beautiful drawing of of the Flash. And, you know, just a very different kind of rendering than Francis Manupol, uh has. And it reminds me so much of Wally. You know, that, that blistering speed force around him. And it's got kind of that look like you saw when uh, uh, Mark Wade was writing the Flash. Yeah, I was saying I don't know who did the art. I believe it's Tony Daniel. I think it's from, Tony uh, Daniel. I think it's Tony yeah. Daniel, and it's just beautiful. It's just I, I just absolutely love that, and so it was it was, it was nice to have that included uh, on that variant cover. But uh, uh, I, you know, I think it looks like a fun book, and I think a lot of that comes from the energy that Manupol puts into his pencils. But man, it really isn't translating to the story. Yeah, they need it needs a little more. There needs to be a little more fun in the writing, and a little more. There needs to be some quips or something. The Flash is just not an interesting character yet. Yeah. 
and so hopefully the book will turn itself around. Some great ideas. I look forward to seeing what what's on the book, and visually probably one of, one of the most beautiful books of the New Fifty Two. Just needs needs a little writing doctoring. You know, even if the Francis Manuel can still write the book, and he can bring in someone to help with the dialogue, like Dan Slott does. Right. You know, that he needs that aspect in this story because yeah. I think we're missing it. Uh, but you know what we weren't missing this week between Flash number nine and this next book? What's that? Just a ton of ape action. <laughs> well, you know, after I finished reading Flash number nine featuring Gorilla Grodd, which I do, I'm sorry, you could you could cancel the Flash and just give me a Gorilla Grodd comic, you know, uh, week uh, monthly, weekly, yeah, it would be better. Actually, before we move on, I do want to say I like the fact that this Gorilla Grodd was a lot like the Flashpoint Gorilla Grodd. I agree. I absolutely agree, and that that was very refreshing that that he had that same kind of tone to him. Yeah. Um. So you know, I I I got some Gorilla Grodd, which really all it did was whet my appetite appetite for monkey awesomeness, and uh, so I was over. I, I I had picked the Flash up on Comicsology and was uh, you know tooling around, and what did I see there? I saw a comic cover with a chimpanzee in a spacesuit looking up at the stars. A, a, a comic book cover with the word Sixth Planet on it. And so immediately I downloaded this thing. And this book was fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed Sixth Planet. It is from Ape Entertainment, and it tells the story of our – our. Uh, it, it's set in our world, except that suddenly something's changing on Saturn. And it is well, – for, for some unknown reason, it seems to be terraforming. You know, and instead of just being a, this giant uh, uh, gas giant that's uninhabitable, inhospitable, it's turning into something that looks a lot more like Earth. And so it's about the first space mission out to the what's happening to Saturn. And of course, it is uh, staffed by a monkey. Um, I thought the book was fantastic. There are two issues out on Comixology for it right now, both priced at a buck ninety nine. And uh, I've already downloaded the first one and read it, loved it, and I'll be downloading the second one today. Now, what company produced uh, the Sixth Planet? Uh, it is Ape Entertainment is okay. the is the publisher, and the uh, studio that's producing it is called Moncube. Moncube. I am unfamiliar with them, and you know uh, there there are some I, I have some editing uh, concerns because there's a lot of typos in it, um, but it's created by Sven Van de Per and Jonas Delnoy, and written by Sven and Jonas Delnoy. And David Bowles and Peter Stories. There are four people writing this thing. But uh, I, I, beyond the fact that that uh, you've got all these writers on it, because generally that tells me that there's something wrong when you've got that many people writing one story. Um, it was really good. It was really good. And I particularly like, you know, we, we, we laugh about how uh, um, Nick Fury in the Ultimate Line is, is based on Samuel L. Jackson. Well, the president in this is based on Harrison Ford. And it just cracks me up that every time you see the president, it's Harrison Ford talking. So I got a kick out of this book. Um, it looks – you know, I was concerned that we were only going to see the monkeys in the first issue or so. But it looks like the the uh, monkeys in this book are going to be uh, at least in the in front and center for the first couple of issues. So highly Major recommend, characters. Highly recommended. Hmm. I might have to check it out. I, I, I wish you would, Paul. I wish you would because you'll see how a referral gets made. And how somebody recommends something. Well, I would like to demonstrate my ability to make a referral and say that you guys should be reading Justice League Dark if you're in any way interested in supernatural-type storylines. Wait, wait, Andrew, who recommended that book to you? 
That would be you, Paul. That's why I said you were batting 500 at the beginning of the show. Because this was one that Paul referred to me that that really was uh, awesome. We actually uh, had a conference call by phone last week uh, talking about this book, and uh, uh, it did not disappoint. Yeah, it... um so Justice League Dark, number nine. First, you don't have to read issues one through eight. Uh, no, this is, no. Th- this is the start of a new arc written by Jeff Lemire, uh, you know, the, who is a, a pretty dynamite writer. He, he writes Animal Man also. And this is the first – this is the start of a new arc. It's a new team even. You have characters like John Constantine and uh, Zaytana on the same team. And uh, th- this very much, very much – if you – plays into the uh the black room stuff from the free comic book day issue from DC Comics. It, and, it I mean it directly picks up that storyline. You you see the same guy, you know, who discovered that these things were missing from the Argus group is out looking to pick up some guys who are going to go you know, can bring the stuff back that he needs or bring the person back that he needs and I mean it's almost like the storyline directly picks up from that black room storyline. Yeah. And the the guy you're referring to is Steve Trevor. Yes, who, you know, very big piece of the Justice League book by Jeff Johns. So if you're enjoying that, this plays into that. You see Steve Trevor in this book as well. There's mention of his previous relationship with Wonder Woman. Um, so it, it's like <laughs> it's like they decided Justice League Dark wasn't very interesting, and they said Jeff Lemire tie it in with our biggest book, Justice League, and um, you know. So th- I, I believe there's probably some coordination with him and Jeff Johns. And this book was just a lot of fun. It's the new Justice League Dark versus Felix Faust. Um, great art. I don't. I, I, this feels kind of bad, but I don't remember who the artist on it was. It's uh, Michael Jannon is the Michael artist. Michael Jannon, but just I, I thought the art was dynamite on this one. It is. He draws the. Uh, he draws you know, like John Constantine and Zatanna very well. Uh, and I gotta say, Justice League Dark number nine was a better number one issue than Batman Incorporated number one was. I'll agree with that too. And because they said. They set it all up for you. They give you the background on the characters, everything you need, and then then you go. Yeah, and I gotta think that this is also going to lead into some of the stuff that we saw in the the flash forward, I guess, in the DC uh, Freak Comic Book Day issue, because Dead Man is on this team, and uh, you know they showed Dead Man as part of that big battle in the the fold out of the Freak Comic Book Day issue uh, that's drawn by Jim Lee. So I believe this, you know, not only does this pick up where the free comic book day issue left off it's also leading into the big uh, trinity war stuff that's going on next year in uh, the dc universe so you know it i'm glad that you know justice league dark seemed like a great concept but i really didn't dig that first storyline or i dropped out about halfway through because i just i wasn't enjoying the book but when i heard jeff lemire was taking it over and as much as i enjoy animal man i decided to give it a shot and i'm loving it i, I really enjoyed this and i'm i'm definitely on board for issue 10 uh, absolutely, I, I'm I'm sticking in, and, and again, I would I would urge our fellow co-host, 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 whatever, uh, to check it out as well because it's 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 you know I like that supernatural. I had a great time playing our supernatural game at Fear the Con, and uh, it, it it's kind of satisfies a niche I don't have another comic feeling right now. Agreed. It's it's almost like a Midnight Suns of the DC universe. Yes. So the book, the one book that we. All read this week was Amazing Spider-Man number 686, the continuation or the the penultimate chapter, if you will. Fifth of, to last. Uh, next to last, yeah. Fifth to last. Because uh-huh. <laughs> pin, right? Is, isn't pin the prefix for five? I don't know. I thought penultimate was just the la- 
one right before the last. How many times have I told this joke and you don't pick up? Okay, never mind. <laughs> have you told this joke before? Aaron? <laughs> yes, have he's, I? He's told the joke before. I don't like Many, many times. I hate this podcast. <laughs> Every time I hear the word penultimate, it's almost like a reflex. I have to say, oh, fifth to last. And then someone yells at me for being an idiot. And that's that's the joke. That's the trope. <laughs> uh, Except sorry. this time you actually seem to just about convince him. I, I got to be honest. Paul seems to listen to what I say a little too carefully. Leave <laughs> me a little too much. Uh, Andrew's last uh, time on the podcast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but anyway, the fifth to last chapter of Ends of the Earth was released <laughs> this week. Amazing Spider-Man 686. And Tim hasn't spoken in a couple of books, so we should probably let Tim say something about this. Yep, Tim. Um, I really I really like this book. Um, this is a continuation of the Ends of the Earth storyline. Uh, it was revealed last issue that uh, Doc Ock had uh, turned the lenses on to full blast and the earth, you know, part of the earth was burning. And we all awesome. said, well, if that's really happening, well, how come it's not mentioned in any other comic book? Well, uh, tr- you know, Dan Slott, uh, <laughs> true, to his wor- true to his word, had a really good reason that wasn't happening. Um, yeah, I, I mean, he suckered me in, and then when he, he was thinking of this, I was completely convinced, and then they uh, they, they pulled the twist on you, and then it makes perfect sense. Oh, yeah. yeah it was fantastic. I, I loved I loved the... Uh, I, I Honestly, I liked the Mysterio thing, the Mysterio flip. That yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah, it, it, very in character with him. Yeah, I love the, uh, the conversations early on where they're talking about, well, this hemisphere is lost. We need to we need to save the other hemisphere. It's just like the scale that they you know that they think they're working on at this point was just so high that it very good book, very good writing. I liked it. I you know it was uh, far and away improved over uh, the one shot we read last week. Um, so yeah, I dug it. I dug it. And I, and I, what I really liked was how well Dan Slott utilized Mysterio and Chameleon. Like you guys were saying, they just fit right into the twist that he maneuvered there. That was well told. And I, I, I also I, thought the art was much better too. Um, and I also really appreciated, you know, Silver Sable's reaction to what was going on. Yes. You know, I thought that was very genuine. So I, right. I dug it. I thought, I thought it was well told. I am ready for this story to conclude. Um, I'm 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 eager for it to wrap up. It's just it, not that it feels like it's dragging. It just feels like we we are appropriately reaching the right spot to end this book. Yeah, I want a satisfying ending, and I want yeah. the art to continue to look like this because this was much better art. So uh, I I can only echo what you guys have said about it. Um, I'm looking forward to the, next- the art. I I enjoyed the art, but I enjoyed the art last time too. So. Um, sure. Uh, I, I, I felt like going into that, but I don't think I do. So, uh, I do uh, wish though that, you know, this trading on and off of the artist is something that's kind of bothering me with the title. If you look at it from the trade standpoint, when I buy a trade of a storyline, I'd like for it to be consistent art from beginning to end. That's the only criticism I really have with the uh, with this storyline is that it is shifting back and forth between a couple different artists, and that 
that would be very jarring in a trade. It's not as jarring month to month like we're reading it right now, but I do want consistency in a trade. I can understand that. I don't. I don't think I'll ever have that issue because I, you know, I, I don't have much motivation to buy the trades now that I, it's all just on my iPad. You know, before you had your floppies, which were kind of a pain in the ass. You know, they didn't sit on a shelf, and you had to open each bag individually and, and whatever. But now, reading the trade on the iPad is pretty much the same experience as reading the floppies on the iPad. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I, I do feel like. The art is going to be a little jarring for me if I read it as a one story arc. And I think that's because Stefano Caselli is like, he's batting a thousand. I mean, he is doing everything he can to make this the most gorgeous book of his career. And Umberto Ramos, as much as I love the guy, he did, he did fill in issues, you know, to, to make sure the book stayed out on time. And, uh, I, I think that maybe that the, the art there is just too, too different, but you know, I think I'm going to give it a read as a as one arc when it's all done and, and see what I think of it. But I, I have enjoyed the storyline. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how it's going to wrap up. It seems like there's almost too much to wrap up in the next issue, which it, it is a concern. That way, yeah, absolutely. It seems like there is a ton going on. It almost seems like they need like some kind of double sized issue to wrap yeah. it up. But they are having not. But they do have a. Aren't there several epilogue issues? Several post. Uh, amazing several post ends of the earth issues i don't know because i believe it's just going straight into the next storyline there was a there was a checklist in the one shot that had like the post stories um yeah and i I don't have that in front of me i don't believe well I'm, i'm intrigued by this whole angle that there seems to be a mole inside horizon labs because he's during this issue, Spider-Man puts a couple pieces together and realizes that it seems like a lot of the stuff that's going on may be information that's gotten leaked out of Horizons. How this all kind of came to came to be. Okay, I found it. There is an Avenging Spider-Man uh, number eight. There will be an Ends of the Earth postscript. But I don't want to buy Avenging Spider-Man number yeah, eight. No, nobody does. <laughs> <laughs> Because Avenging Spider-Man is bad. Oh. Um, yeah. Who's so, writing? It doesn't, well, it doesn't say. It I'm doesn't sure. say on the checklist. Mm. So, so sorry. Mm. But it, yeah, I, so because that's one thing that kind of bugs me, and I, I will say this: I, I wish Amazing Spider-Man, because it's going from one arc straight into another arc. Without the breather, the breather is going to be in a different book. Is the next arc with him and Morbius the living vampire? Uh, it might be. I don't know. The lizard's in it. I know that. Yeah, uh, you've got uh, Dr. Connors. It's issue 689. No turning back for Morbius the living vampire. Well, and let's face it. We were all expecting Lizard to show up again because the movie's getting ready to come out. Yeah. And uh, Avenging Spider-Man number eight is written by Dan Slott. With uh, art by Matthew Clark, or maybe written by Dan Slott and Matthew Clark, with art by Ty, Ty Templeton. Anyway, Dan Slott has some writing chores on Avenging Spider-Man number eight, so well, maybe that, I will pick it up. Yeah, that makes me feel a little bit better about picking it up. Now, uh, before we move on, you know, yes. one of, one of the uh, things I find very interesting about Marvel Comics is that there are very few ads in their books that aren't advertising their own products. And there were several uh, full-page advertisements for uh, upcoming Marvel comic uh, uh, 
series. So like you've got the Captain America and Iron Man, a night in Madripoor, let the fun begin. Uh, you've got uh, you know the amazing Spider-Man ad that we just talked about, the uh, Sabretooth Reborn in Wolverine number 310 with Jeff Loeb and uh, Simone Bianchi uh, finishing their, their storyline there. But the one that really caught my attention this week was the ad for Captain Marvel issue one with the uh, reimagining of Carol Danvers as Captain Marvel and her new suit complete with pants. Did you guys catch that? Mm-hmm. What you think? Uh, I don't. I don't like the pants. <laughs> <laughs> I am opposed to pants, Paul. I um. I I'm gonna pick up the first issue because I really really enjoyed the Miss the last Miss Miss Marvel book. Yeah. I believe Brian Reed was the writer on yeah, that it was one. A good series. It was a really good series. So I'm hoping this one is just as good. You know, because that was a fun, well written. Beautiful art book. Yeah. Um, as far as her becoming the new Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. I, I guess maybe that's what they're building up to in the Secret Avengers arc that we're currently reading. I think so. I, uh, I but did. the costume I don't like. I don't like the costume. I don't like the the mohawk or whatever. It is hugely reminiscent. Of- I say I'm fine with the costume. I don't like her hair and the face doesn't look right on that picture. The uh, the costume is is hugely reminiscent of the Miracle Woman costume. Uh, when I flipped open, I was like, "My, that looks an awful lot like it." Um, yeah, but and, Twitter disagrees with you. Yeah, Twitter's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it looks an awful lot like it, and I wonder, you know, Marvel has owned the Miracle Man, uh, Marvel Man uh, characters for a couple of years now. They haven't done jack with them except print some very old reprints. Um, I. I'm wondering if this is how they're going to link those characters. You know, is Carol Danvers going to become, you know, Marvel Woman? Is uh, is that how they're going to how they're going to bring those characters in? Is Marvel Man or Miracle Man actually going to be a Cree person? So I'm curious about that. I, 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 I am I am very interested in where this is going because I, I love those old characters. Yeah, but I'm not all that interested in the Secret Avengers arc that's setting it up. Well, that's fair. But we'll talk about that in a moment, Paul. Because I think first, Tim and I need to talk about Astonishing X-Men number 50. All right. So um, Aaron, uh, a few months ago, was banging the drum for Greg Pak writing Astonishing X-Men. And, um, you know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you you were digging what he was doing. Is that is that a correct statement here? Yes, when Greg Pak was writing the series, I, I absolutely did. This is not Greg Pak. That is correct. This is not Greg Pak. Uh, this is Marjorie Liu. Uh huh. Um, you know I. Uh, well, this this is this is a tough one to get into, Aaron. I guess because. <laughs> um, I, I bought it because of the cover. Because it's like okay, Gambit. Iceman, I, I like I, I like Warbird. I'm like, all right, let's 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 get this book. You know, I don't mind North Star. He's okay, and it's sort of a love story ish esque mm-hmm. between North Star and uh, what's his what's this dude's name? Uh, dude, dude, Tony, believe, maybe. Uh, that may be right. Uh, Kyle. Kyle, Kyle is his yeah, name. His, yeah. bro- his boyfriend, Kyle, yeah. and yeah, that. I'm sort of confused. I guess the part of the story that's action based is there is the uh, 
the Marauders attacked the X-Men, which, you know, why should anybody be surprised about that? But they weren't doing it of their own free will, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, who cares? They were going to attack us if they had free will, right? Right. That's, so it's like, <laughs> oh, no, somebody had them on autopilot. Well, how could you even tell? Right. So, I, you know, that part didn't get me. Uh, like, the interior art was not as good as the cover, which doesn't, you know, you shouldn't be surprised about that because you spend more time on a cover, obviously. But, but, but did you like the interior art? I thought the interior art was... was uh was actually pretty good. I think it was great, but I thought it was pretty good. I didn't really like the facial, like when they did the facial features. Uh-huh. Like the whole scene with Northstar and Kyle, uh-huh. like at the bottom where there's like two, there's one panel where Kyle doesn't say anything and then he asks if, if John Paul's breaking up with him. Uh-huh. I, I didn't like the face. <laughs> he doesn't do facial features too well, I don't think. Um, but it, seemed, it, was, it was okay. Yeah, I, I'll it, give it that. It seemed a little overacted, particularly on those two panels that you mentioned. It's it's passable, I guess yeah. is what I would say. Yeah. It, it you know, um, and there was there was a pretty cool Warbird moment, mm-hmm. but overall I, I I didn't like it, and I guess the reason that this is a big deal is because of what's happening next issue. Yeah, you know the I I I only followed it. I followed Astonishing X Men and its in its recent incarnation through the Greg Pak stories and really enjoyed those. But I picked this up because I had, I had uh, read the news story where North Star and uh, uh, Kyle are going to get married. And, of course, mm-hmm. in this issue he proposes. And it doesn't look like they're going to get married in this issue because Kyle's like, you don't understand me at all. Uh, you know, And I'm like, dude, you really don't want any of that. This, this right here is high maintenance and it's trouble. You want to just step on out of this North Star. Just ease on back. You know, Welcome to Dumpsville, population you. That's you know, my recommendation for North Star. Right, and you know, I've I've never been in a man-on-man relationship, thank God. <laughs> but uh, Kyle seems kind of like a woman. Yeah, and uh, you know, I would think that the benefit of being gay is that you don't have to deal with some of that stuff. I'm just, you know, from the straight guy's perspective, I'm thinking that you know that the uh, gay marriage is a lot like, hey, you want to play Xbox tonight? Yeah, let's do that. You want to get a beer? Yeah, let's do that. Um, you know, it never comes down to you don't have to respect my feelings. Yeah. No. Okay. Seems, seems. Wait a minute. A little gay. <laughs> <laughs> well, see. To be fair, I, I have, I have, I have a friend who uh, is gay, and his comment about comics is they never seem to write one that he's that he feels like writes to him. Right. And so I'm going to give him this one, and I might, you know, and maybe I'll get says. the next one. Yeah. Just to just to we see what he says. We expect a follow up report from you on that, Tim. Sure. No, I, I would, I would be willing to follow up on that, but well, for me. Not so much. Yeah. Well, I'm going to stick around for the next issue because next issue they're advertising as a wedding. Uh, now, I don't know any uh, self-respecting gay couple who can plan a marriage in uh, one issue, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll oh, see. Crap, huh? <laughs> well, he's, he's really fast, Aaron. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> That's true. North Star is really fast, just like The Flash. So, you but know, like, he, yeah. yeah, he may be able to just get that taken care of. But that cover, the the cover with them and the next issue the cover, X Men and Alpha Flight, yeah, looks pretty cool terrible. Cover. Yeah, I'm sorry. What did you say? Pretty. I thought I thought it was a pretty cool cover. I did not care for it. No. Well, it just doesn't look like they're present in the picture. It looks mm-hmm. like they're cut out and put over that. That's what I didn't. Oh, no. okay, fair enough. That's the probably only thing I was I drawn to. Yeah, I just I, I didn't care for that. But I'm fascinated by I don't know who the who the. Uh, the woman is that's right between the both of them, who's got special emphasis on her pelvis. 
Sun Pelvis Woman. Yeah, Sun Pelvis Woman. I I need to know more about her. Um, you know, because I I always go to the uh, gay weddings to pick up chicks. Um, <laughs> that might that might be magma if I had to guess. Because she's got the super hot pelvis area. Well, the blonde, the blonde hair and the kind of new mutants looking. Yeah, but. Anyway, I'm going to pick up issue 51 just be, so that uh, you know I can see how the how the wedding plays out. But you know, I I think I liked the book. I just felt like I came in on the middle of a story, you know, kind of like picking up Flash number nine in that I just didn't understand everything that was going on. Well, here's the other thing too: there, there, you're not even going to get a full issue of wedding. If it was, that yeah. might be interesting having, you know, John Paul freaking out and then you know his sister being there, and yeah. that would be cool. But they're like in mid fight yeah no i agree you know he's 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 got to go rescue the guy you know because in this book his his uh soon to be fiance because keep in mind in this book he's not even his fiance yet the guy said no no, right um and so you know he's he's just the fellow that north star loves and who's been taken hostage and north star is going to uh go rescue him but uh, so you, you've got all that to deal with before you get to the wedding piece. You know what I, what I kind of would have liked to have seen is not necessarily the month after month build up to a wedding, but I'd like to have seen something kind of like the Amazing Spider-Man wedding uh, where he marries Mary Jane and you've got, you know, all the the, uh, you know, a, a, an entire issue of wedding. Mm-hmm. You know, no, I, I agree yeah. because it's going to feel rushed. It's going it, to it, it's not going to do justice what they're trying to do. I, okay, I don't here's here's the difference. The build-up to the Amazing Spider-Man wedding was a logical progression of the story as the way it's going. This, I'm afraid, is – which I'm not actually afraid because I'm not reading the book. But it sounds like it's just a publicity stunt. Marvel wanted to get the front page, so they took a couple of their characters and they're pushing forward the wedding ahead of when it should logically progress. I can't I – mean, That I, makes sense, but I, I can't say that because I – yeah, I don't know what the buildup's been. Yeah, maybe I don't, this is natural. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know what the what the previous stories were in this. Well, in, I mean, in, it sounds like right now they're not even engaged yet. They're going to get married next issue. That to me screams that this is just publicity stunt. Oh no, they definitely love each other because they're it kind of creeped me out. They're calling each other sweetheart and babe. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't. That's kind of not. I don't like that, but because in Tim's gay marriage, feelings. it's hey, buddy, <laughs> bro, doing, Ham, buddy? what's up, bro? <laughs> well, you know what's sad? There, there was a, a gay wedding in Godzilla number one this week that oh, really? wasn't in the news. Yeah, um, at the very first page of Godzilla number one features a uh, like a an ex Navy SEAL type character, like this badass assassin type character. Um, getting married to his his gay lover, and but you know, you're the was, only one that read it. That's why it wasn't in the press. But it was so good. Just putting that out there. Godzilla number one from IDW. Good stuff. Well, Aaron, Aaron, can you can we even recommend this book? I don't know. I don't know if I can yet. I mean, it's, only I haven't read the other stories. So I mean, if you're if you're picking it up for just to read a good book, I don't know that I can recommend it. I don't think it's a bad book. I think that it is it is not new reader friendly. Um, and I don't think that enough happens in it to really draw you in. I'm really only picking it up for to see how the wedding plays out in 51. And that's really it. And so I'm, I'm not buying it because, oh, I really dug it. You know? So you're saying it's a successful publicity stunt. 
Yeah, absolutely. The 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 fact that it made the news this week is the reason why I picked it up. The fact that that the the news story pays off next month is why I'll pick that pick that up as well. I now I because ha- Aaron asked me to. Thank you, Tim. Yeah. Uh, um, but you know the uh, the prior storylines in Astonishing X Men I've really enjoyed. And it's probably not too fair for us to review the merits of this storyline based on one issue. But what I can say is that this one issue really didn't give me a whole lot. And, well, and the new writer, I don't, she she's only done a couple issues. Right. So, I mean, she hasn't had a whole lot of time to you know, tell what she's going to tell yet. So, I mean, right. getting caught up probably wouldn't be a big deal if you were interested. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I'll, I'll, re- I'll read 51 and report back on it. Tim, are you in for 51? I don't know. <laughs> not willing to make it. Like Kyle, you're not ready to make a commitment. Not ready to make that commitment. No. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure you love me enough, Aaron. Oh. Well, you know, I, I'm just not. I'm not. I'm not hearing you. I'm not. I, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not tuning into your fe- feelings or your needs. And I apologize for that, Tim. I'm going to be a better man. I'm going to be a better. You're man. going to be like Ben Grimm. I am. I'm going to be just like Ben Grimm. You go into the bedroom and say it's clobbering time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, just to the dentist because it's clobbering time. Ah, that is, ah. <laughs> Aaron, that is I'm, discomforting. <laughs> I'm fan- fantastic. Four, fantastic Four Six Oh Six came out. Yeah, that was, that was the transition right there. I, I'm very cur- curious about your reaction to Fantastic Four Six Oh Six, Aaron. You know, you know, gay wedding. <laughs> Well, and if there's not a gay wedding in it, I'm not interested in reading the book. Um, <laughs> Fantastic Four 606, again, continuing the trend of Jonathan Hickman's uh, done-in-one stories. Yeah, and I will point out that every done-in-one up until this point, we haven't shared our opinions on this one, everyone up till now has been a home run. What? Let me tell you what I really enjoyed about this book. I like it when I figure things out before the writer tells me. Yeah, like on the cover. Right. Um so, you know, reading the book, the the Fantastic Four is on this special mission. They're going to be in a special environment, and it's pretty easy, at least I felt, to uh, to determine that oh, this is a, a riff on uh, Fantastic Voyage. Yeah, I suspected it from the cover. Right. Within the first page or two, I it was obvious. Yeah. Um, and then you know the the question that you're asking because you know in, in if you're familiar with the movie Fantastic Voyage, um, isn't it the president that they're operating on, uh, where they're they're having to shrink down to go inside the president's body and take care of him or some other you know large political figure, um, and so I'm like wow who who would the Fantastic Four be doing this for who who would uh, warrant that and and like two pages before they reveal it I realized who it was that they were that they were saving. Did you figure it out beforehand, Wayne? Yeah. I uh I was disappointed in this issue overall. Really? Yeah, I mean these the other one shots have been home runs, but this one the story is nothing new. We've seen superheroes shrink down to go inside of bodies numerous times. We've even seen the cancer angle before. Mm-hmm. It all of these others have told us something about the characters and progressed along, you know an individual character and this we just didn't see that i it wasn't a horrible issue or anything i didn't hate it but it was just one of those this really felt like filler 
Well, so how did this parallel with Coolio's song "Fantastic Voyage"? Because I'm not getting that. I'm not getting that connection. Yet. Someone needs to draw that picture. Well, stay tuned, Tim. We'll get there. All right. <laughs> Johnny Storm had like you know weird ass hair. So what it was? Exactly. Right there. Oh, okay. Right All right, there. I'm in. But he had a helmet on the whole time, so you don't actually see the weird ass hair. Stupid. What I what I liked about the book is that number one, it was just kind of fun because it was a it was a throw up to Fantastic Voyage. So I mean, I, I liked that 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 connection there, Fantastic Four, Fantastic Voyage. I got what uh, Jonathan Hickman was trying to do. But what I also liked about it is we've had these you know kind of big stories, and this shows that the, the Fantastic Four are willing to go to extreme measures for people they care about. Um, I liked that, you know, I, I'm going to go ahead and spoil this part of the, of the story. The, the reveal on who they're taking care of is Willie Lumpkin, their mailman. And, you know, it cuts to them being in the hospital and learning that he's got an inoperable brain tumor, that really it's time to put this guy in hospice. There's really no hope of doing anything. And the doctor says, you know, things always seem fine until they aren't. We can make him comfortable, but he's moved past our ability to do anything else. And Sue Storm asks, well, is, is there nothing? And he says, you could pray, pray for a miracle. And uh, the thing is is looking in on, on Willie, who's asleep in his hospital room, and you can tell he's thinking, and he turns around and he says, a miracle? Does this guy have any idea who he's talking to? And I, I just, I thought that was the line of the book. And it has them going and employing, you know, Reed Richards super science to remove this this brain tumor, and they save his life. See, and that's actually a trope that bothers me, which may be why I didn't enjoy this book as much as I have some of the other one shots. This idea that because you know one of these supergroups, something that would normally be fatal can be cured. Well, it's like if they know how to do this, and if they can shrink down and go in. Why don't they have a team of these people created for, you know, the Fantastic Four could be, okay, here's the technology, throw some people in, you know, in like shield armor or something, and they can just go in and start saving people as a normal medical procedure. I absolutely agree. I think the next question is why there isn't Fantastic Four oncology associates out there. Um, You know, this should be something that uh, that, – Anybody could access, you know, it is the socialization of medicine, Wayne. This is what we're going for. Um, everybody should have access to, to Reed Richards, super science technologies to have their tumors removed. I completely agree. I think that is a question that, you, that, that I would like to see asked, you know, why, why is it only Willie gets this treatment? You know, why is it just the guy who delivers mail to you? Why isn't it anybody uh, you know, and and I think they've got to they've got to explain. You know, well, you know, it's it's you know cost inefficient. You know, how much should this set Reed Richards back? Well, and that's the story I want to see. Honestly, yeah. we've seen this story before. Right. We've seen the shrink down save. I want to see the story of letters coming in saying, "Hey, I heard what you did for Willie. Right. My my five year old daughter has an inoperable you know brain tumor, or and you just them having to deal with now they're flooded with people. That all have, you know, sad stories requesting their assistance and they don't have time to do all of it. Yep. They don't have the resources. That's the part of this kind of story that we've never seen and I don't think we ever will see. This part of it we've seen before. And I, that's why it was kind of disappointing for me because the other one shots have all been such home runs. And this one is – it's a done-in-one story that felt a little bit like filler there's nothing wrong with it. It wasn't a bad story or anything. It just didn't live up to the bar that the other one shot set for me. 
Now, is it what does it say about me that every time you say they're operating on Willie, I picture groundskeeper Willie from The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my head! <laughs> Same guy. He sneezes out I, Ben Grimm. I yeah, was I disappointed that we never got to see Willie Lumpkin wiggle his ears. I'm a little disappointed in that. <laughs> okay, so uh, Fantastic Four 606. Wayne didn't much care for it. I liked it, but I think the other Dunn and Ones were stronger books. But Paul. Uh huh. Paul. Uh huh. Secret Avengers. Uh. Talk to me about him. You're not happy with this story. I am not happy with this story. You're not happy with the story. I, I, I can tell. I, I have detected with my with my sensitivity about your feelings. See, I could totally marry a dude. Uh, uh, my sensitivity to you, I'm in tune. I, I said, you, well, Kyle, yeah, you, you, this story, I, I just, I thought, I think the story sucks. Um, and you, I know that's not proper review terminology. I should say why I think it sucks. Um, I think the art is very poorly rendered. It feels rushed. Um, I feel the characters just don't look properly drawn. <laughs> um, I don't like the fact that there's that there are pieces of this story that are only here. There are pieces of the story that are in the Avengers book. Um, it kind of seemed to jump a little f- forward from where Secret Avengers 26 ended. Did I miss something? Because like in the last book, weren't they just kind of like sitting on the plane talking about betraying the team? And now all of a sudden, like Miss Marvel's making out with Captain Marvel. Well, and stuff they, like that. At the end of the last book, Captain Marvel had shown up, you know, and he was lording over them. And so this is picking up. It looks like he has, uh, you know, done something uh, to Novar, and uh, and now he's macking on Ms. Marvel. Yeah. I don't know, I just, I, 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 and so basically half of the issue is the Avengers saying, I know Captain Marvel, you're not Captain Marvel, and beating on him. And it's like, okay, well, you know, people come back from the dead all the time, and it hasn't been explained. We don't know if this is the Captain Marvel that had cancer, though he remembers having cancer. Um, I would imagine that it's not. I'd imagine they will find some way out of this, because Marvel has seemed to not want to screw with that storyline too much because the character died of cancer. Right. And, and you know why he died of cancer? Because he wasn't a good enough friend to the Fantastic Four. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is exactly true. <laughs> but I just, this storyline just really is not catching me. I, I, I feel it's just poorly written. I, it very loosely tied to AVX. I mean, yes, I know the Phoenix Force is on this planet, but, or is I, coming I, from this planet, but. This just seems. I'm I'm with you, Paul. It's not doing much for me either. I mean, I don't have the problems with the artwork that you do, but uh, it it seems like wasted time. Yeah, because we know what happens. We saw it two weeks ago in AVX, what happens, you know, and everyone's on the plane when they come back from that planet. Yeah. You know, so it's like, what is the point in all this? You know, are we going to get another two or three issues of basically filler that leads up to something that, you know, that we a story we know the ending of right you know I, again it, this feels like it's this may be more in in uh, excuse me building up for the new miss marvel series or the new captain marvel series 
but this actually hurts my interest in the Captain Marvel series. Now, I did feel I, I was thinking of Tim when I when I was reading this one page in uh, Secret Avengers when Thor just pounds Captain Marvel or the guy who is who is supposed to be Marvel uh, in the face with his hammer. I mean, it is Mjolnir to the face, and I thought very hard of Tim. Now, Paul, yes, you had the book open in front of you. Um, I can hold on one second. Okay. Okay. So there are some, there are a few problems with the art, um, and not just you know a stylistic preference. Flip to the page where uh, Thor is fighting uh, Marvel, and he hits him in, in the head with with the hammer, and there's the big "toom" sound effect on the page. Have you found it? Uh, I'm getting there. Are you there? Are you there? Did you I'm find it? Right yes, I got okay. it. So. Look at, you know, uh, Thor is all wrapped in bandages and, and he has swung the hammer and clocked uh, Marvell in the head. And you can see the the handle of the hammer, right? Uh-huh. Okay, now follow the handle of the hammer up to the to the top of the hammer where you see the uh, the center of the hammer where the where the handle joins the top of the hammer. Yes. And you see how they don't line up. Yes. Okay. And that happens on several pages. It happens on the opposite page where Thor is is holding his hammer. It happens on the opposite page. So you flip the page over, you see that that uh, our artist friend here, um, Mr. Gettys, can't seem to figure out <laughs> how to make the uh, the hammer match up with the handle. <laughs> it's it's a little obnoxious when you start looking for it. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't think about it the first time I read it, but uh, okay, I could see it now. Yeah, I, he, he he it's like he doesn't understand how the hammer is built. <laughs> so, I mean, I did enjoy you know Thor hitting Marvel hard on in the face with the hammer, um, but you know I think you get hit in the face with Majolner. I think if you're most guys, you're down. Yeah. And so I kind of had a problem with the fact that Marvel stands up and de- doesn't have anything wrong with him. Well, you know, and I get it that um, that everyone's being mind controlled. Uh huh. But you know, I, I kind of figured that from the very beginning. Just I don't know. Seems well, a little silly to me. But you know, Thor. Thor, you know, is upset. I mean, he's he's done the whole thing with Marvel. Like you know, hey, I, I knew Marvel. Marvel was a friend of mine, and you, sir, are no Marvel. I mean, he does that whole bit with him, and so you know he gets so peace too, you know? right? And, and he's all pissed off about it, you know, that you're that whoever the hell you are, you're using my friend's features uh, to get over on us. And so Thor, you know, says, you know, seeing his proud face distorted in this way raises such a fury in my soul. I will smash his features from your skull and hammer to the face. <laughs> and which I really appreciated, but the guy gets up. He doesn't have a bloody nose. He doesn't have a bruise. And I'm sorry if you piss off the God of Thunder and he says he's going to smash the features from your face. I expect <laughs> to see some feature smashing. Well, oh, shit. I mean, I do. I mean, I don't I, I don't expect him to kill him, though. I would accept that. But I would like to see, hey, when you broke my nose, you big dick, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he did it to Sentry, right? Right. You can't tell me Captain Marvel is more powerful than Sentry. Right. I mean, they're going to have to explain to me why why this guy is so much more powerful than the Sentry. Yeah. Well, and not only that, what if it is him? 
they're going to feel pretty fucking stupid. Oops. They, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry I smashed the features from your face. <laughs> but, but he's dead, and no one comes back from the dead. Yeah. Well, he hasn't in a long time. Well, I mean, he's never know, really come back because the guy in uh, Secret Invasion was a scroll, right? Yeah, he became yeah. the protector. Yeah. I actually really liked that story, too. The uh, I've never been a big fan of the original Captain Marvel. It just was before my time of reading comics. But I enjoyed the return and that guy being a sleeper scroll yeah. that he didn't even know he was a scroll at the beginning. There were very few good stories to come out of Secret Invasion. That was a good one. And it, like they were saying, it stuck with the whole the original is dead. Yeah. I have this image in my head now, Aaron. I see Thor at like at like a gift shop going through the condolence cards. <laughs> picking up, picking up a, heard you were feeling down. It has a puppy oh. on it. <laughs> I just see them all sitting at a diner eating a meal, not actually talking. Well, just you know, it's, quietly it's, eating a meal. It's the apology that he makes. Hey, I'm I'm sorry if your feelings were hurt when uh, I smashed the features from your face. <laughs> Oh, sorry if you misunderstood. Yeah. Um, wow. Awkward. Uh. <laughs> so, Aaron, Wayne, I think we've talked enough about Secret Avengers number 27. You know, it's 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 amusing that uh, it's, it's a book that, that neither one of us are, are pretty charged about, but we had a whole lot to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> but let, 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 let's talk about the final issue of Irredeemable, which was released this week from Boom and uh, Mark Wade. Now, Wayne, I don't know about you. This is a book you and I don't talk about on the show very often, uh, if at all. But um, And now you won't again. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I was worried when they were going to – when they announced they were ending the series. Um, and because I was like, golly, is, is it going to feel organic? Is the, is the ending going to be right? I mean, because I've so much enjoyed Irredeemable uh, throughout all these issues. And uh, tell me what you thought, Wayne. You know – it was a this was a book that was a bit of a roller coaster in that it started off so strong then it felt like it dragged for a little bit and then it came back and the same thing I was kind of worried about oh they're they're going to have a solid ending so will it live up to it I thought the ending was very good oh. it uh, it kind of came out of nowhere the way they've been building up the story <laughs> to suddenly lead to the ending but it was a logical progression of the ending. The uh, the final few pages that we're not going to spoil, those I didn't see that coming at no. all. No, in fact, you know the, you know the the whole setup on Irredeemable is that Superman gone bad, right? You know he is a someone of, of Superman like powers who just one day snaps, and you know the effect that has on the world. So we've spent thirty seven issues with life on Earth just kind of hanging in the balance because of all the awful things that uh, the Plutonian has done to the Earth. And, I mean, he just has taken his friends apart. Very few of his uh, peers have survived. And we've and had... In, in an effort to stop him, the humans did worse to the planet than he did. Right. And so, you know, of course, the the way that, that we defeat, you know, the Plutonian is not through... Uh, you know, might, but through outsmarting him. And I, I just really liked the way that played off and the way Cubit was used, you know, and you always had a sense that Cubit was, was going to show out as just being uh, really ingenious. And I'm just so glad the way this played out with the way the Modius story wrapped up. And by the way, 
the modiest story, creepy as shit. Yes, <laughs> that was. There were some twists in there I didn't see coming at all, and it. Well, that and then was some that you so didn't well. want to see. <laughs> yeah. Well, and one of the cool things about uh, about Cubit is that this character doesn't lie. Right. He is able to outsmart Plutonian with everything he's saying being technically true. Right. But just withholding the important pieces of information. They did that very well. I mean, I didn't they had stuck with this whole he doesn't lie thing from the beginning to the point that reading through it, I kept wondering, you know, well, that was a lie. That was a lie. And no, everything pieced together. Every word he says through the entire series is the truth. It's just not the whole truth. Right. Yeah, I I really dug this book. And, you know, I thought, you know, there, there's the there's the ending where Cubit, uh, uh, you know, basically puts the uh, the uh, stake in, in uh, the Plutonian. And you're like, oh, well, I don't think I like where this is going. I, I don't think this is very satisfying. And then you are satisfied. I mean, you know, the, those are the last pages that we're not going to, uh, to right. talk about. Yeah, we are talking so secretly those, about this. <laughs> those are going to be some controversial pages. Absolutely. I could see a lot of people really disliking that that twist. Yeah, I loved it. I thought I thought the last two pages of this book were worth the entire series. I thought, at, number one, it is such a Mark Wade ending. Yes, and that was part of it, is knowing who the, the writer is. Yeah. Knowing what he said before in interviews and just knowing what the guy's like, right? You know that those last few pages are—it's coming from the right place. Yeah, it's not a cheap feel. It's a, a sense of honor. Yeah, no, and I mean, when you step back from it, you absolutely—it is absolutely organic to the story because of where the story comes from. You know, I mean, it all comes together. And I just I, – I was not convinced when I picked up this book. In fact, I, I read this book with trepidation because I was like, God, I, you know, I've enjoyed this so much. Am I going to hate the ending? You know, you know I, I don't know if you had that feeling or, or not going into it. I, I was like – but I was so I was scared that I was going to hate it. I'm still – I'm now looking forward to the last issue of Incorruptible too. Yeah. We, we just have one more left there and then that storyline's wrapped up. And the uh, – one of the things Mark's done very well through this is character growth. Yep. His characters have gone through, you know, yeah. they've gone through a lot and they changed because of it. They have I'm arcs. Really curious how they wrap up the incorruptible arc. Yeah. I, I, I can't wait to, to, to go back and reread the whole thing now, now that we have it completely bookended. Uh, I'm going to go back and reread all 37 issues because I, thoroughly enjoyed this book certainly there were some some peaks and valleys you know uh some of the uh plutonian being on the prison planet seemed a little meandering to me yeah about around that time frame was when i was wondering how can he continue doing this book you know he's he's done the story we've seen it what more can he possibly do with this story and right around that point was when he realized too that he should probably wrap it up yeah yeah, I, I I dug it. the The ending was fantastic. Ending was fantastic. Much like the ending of this episode. Uh, I, I I wouldn't say it was fantastic. It's it fantastic. Up, it built up and then it came out of nowhere, and you weren't <laughs> expecting it. And it all ties together. 
<laughs> it's like the sixth sense. You didn't know this. We were dead the whole time. We were dead the whole time. No. Oh, spoilers off. Yeah, whoops. Way to go, Paul. Way to go. One of us has to be alive. Just one of us. And the rest are inspiring that one. Okay, I vote, I vote that I'm the, the guy that's alive. I'm going to vote that Tim's the guy that's alive. Honestly, I, I have to say Tim would probably be the one that was uh, that's alive. Yeah. Uh, did we tell Tim to come back yet? <laughs> Tim took his headphones off to avoid the uh, the spoiler conversation about Irredeemable. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, tell him to come back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good times. So anyway, much are, like are the end of this now, podcast. Because we were just talking about you for like two or three minutes before we realized that you'd taken your headphones off. I have a bad memory. <laughs> but so next week is a fifth week, which means lots of filler books coming out. That means I that means I don't have to go to the comic book shop this week, right? Uh, you've got a you've got comicsology, Aaron. You never have to go to your comic book shop. I, I this is part of my uh my comic shop welfare program. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so question couple of questions is anybody reading star star trek the next generation doctor who assimilation nope oh no, no. <sighs> is because i re- like those properties so i don't want to see them combine <laughs> what about superman family adventures number one no no what's what's in that one uh there's it's- superman and there's family and adventure. adventures. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's a new book from the guys who did the Tiny Titans book, and it's a, it's basically the Superman family, but it's got like Crypto the Superdog, Superboy, like a pre fifty two Superboy. Um, it looks like a lot of fun. I think I might pick up the first issue. Huh, it's if, Superman with Art and Franco. Is it just reprints <laughs> or is it new? I mean, I no it's I heard, new stuff it's all new stuff i heard crypto and i heard pre-52 superman so i'm i'm interested but I mean, it, I, it's, then i just saw the cover and the artwork and now i'm not interested it's anymore. a kitty book it's a yeah. kitty book but Never it mind. seems like it could be fun oh, damn it no all right you almost had me sold when you said crypto if i hadn't looked at the cover i might have oh <laughs> right, what damn. about animal man animal man annual the animal, animal manual who's writing it uh jeff lemire maybe, maybe. Maybe. Maybe, yes. Yeah. Maybe. And the Batman Annual featuring that, Mr. Freeze. I believe that's called the Batmanual. The Batmanual and the Animal Manual. <laughs> I'm going to flip Aaron, through that you have, one. It's the Animanual. <laughs> Animanual. <laughs> yeah, because that's about it next week. There's a couple of annuals, but though we do get America's Got Powers number two coming out next week. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I think I'm the only one reading it, but Shredder shows up. America's Got Powers number two. Mm. Magdalena number backs. 12. Trade paperbacks. <laughs> I'm going to catch up so some of my trade reading. Aaron, Bionic Woman number two. Fuck to the, yeah, and uh, yeah. and Andrew and I have a conversation about that coming up then. So Yeah. Yeah. Woo! 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 Bleh. Woo! I don't know. There are hey. some good books coming out next week, just you, just not really Marvel or DC. Well, yeah, it's, it's going to be the other publishers. Yeah. So, so good stuff. All good right. Stuff next week. Well, guys, I hope you had a great Memorial Day weekend. I'm going to try. Let's do that. It's okay so far. I've wasted about two hours of my life with you guys. And, and, oh, just to tease a little bit for our listeners, um, Season 2 of Knights of Rainsboro recordings have already started. 
Have they? Have they? They have already started. I don't recall that. <laughs> Season two. <laughs> was Big that changes off? coming up. <laughs> was they kicked off the island for season two? <clears throat> you you were actually. Uh, we, this, if you could just stay around after the show, we have an awkward conversation to have with you. I will be here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. See you next time. Catch you later. Oh, it's Betty from HR. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. <laughs>